Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Live right now, man. It's going down, sided for the season. You know, we coming off a playoff win. I mean, you know, we had a couple wins. Winning game four, at least pride-wise, made me feel good because you don't ever want to get swept. I'm indifferent to him whether or not he signs it. I'll be uh, hitting work for the next five years. If you ask me, can the Bucks win game five? I put it at 40% confidence, yes. To think that, that a season is championship or bust is is um, certainly not the way we've approached it. At this point, we don't know what's going to happen. You can get game six. You can steal it. Championship or bust. Winning game six and seven. Championship or bust. I don't think they're going to win the whole series, but... There is no enjoyment with this team. And we are back. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to episode 88 of the Brew Hoop Podcast. If you hear my voice, you know this is Riley Feldman, one of your regular hosts here on the podcast. Uh, as usual, if I'm the one who's entering, usually that means Adam isn't here. Funny enough, Kyle isn't here this week either. Uh, we decided to take a break from our normal podcasting schedule in lieu of the All-Star break. Um, Giannis won the uh, All-Star Game MVP. Maybe we'll talk about that next week, but this week... We're bringing back a beloved series, beloved by me mostly, because I'm the one who hosts it, but I, I hope beloved by all the listeners as well. We're bringing back the Inside the Basket Bloggers Studio Series. Uh, this week, special guest. Been a while since we last added a couple of new staff members, and uh, this gentleman here joining me tonight is one of the pair that we recently added. Van Fayaz. Fayaz? Fayaz, that's it. Fayaz. Van, <laughs> why don't you introduce yourself to the uh, listeners, the readers, uh, before we get going and dive in? Yeah, thanks, man. Um, yeah, so I was uh, an active Brew Hoop commenter and then like fan post writer uh, going by Low House Fan, which and we, uh, will be, we will be getting into that. Don't worry. I hope we are talking about Brad Low House. I <laughs> would be very disappointed if we weren't going to discuss him. Um, so, uh, yeah, I I actually I had been reading Brew Hoop since like, God, I don't know. It definitely, like, I think I first came across it when, um, like, it was like the Bogut Jennings years at some point. And um, yeah. actually, I remember the first time I started commenting under a different account was <laughs> when the uh, when the Bogut Monte Illustrate happened. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was like, okay, I need to. I need to say some things about this. Um, yeah, I got something on my chest. This is <laughs> this is going to be the moment that gets me out of the lurker crowd exactly. into the commenting crowd. Yeah, but mostly I just lurked for years uh, after that, um, and uh, I. But I, I, you know, I'd always been around. I actually played some. I played in the Brew Hoop Fantasy Basketball League about. I don't know. Whenever that was, like this was when I was probably it was probably around that same time, like the, okay. the Monte Ellis years. So always kind of peripherally like lurking around the site then started mm -hmm. writing a bit more and people seemed to like what I had to say. And I like to write. I'm a, um, I'm a big writer. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it was just from there. It's like, okay, you know, like, like I, I, I've been bantering over the years with like Mitchell and other people like Kane Pittman and Frank Madden over, 
basically email because I'm a real like Twitter uh, abstainer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you Twitter phobic. Um, uh, pretty much. Like I had. It, okay, so years ago I used to write actually for a brewer's website, which no longer exists. Um, uh, and I was writing, so I was writing strictly on the brewers, but I had kind of a Twitter presence back then. Okay. Uh, but then I got a big boy job. Um, and, uh, I really kind of stopped <laughs> doing all of that, uh, and just went back to being, you know, like guy who watches stuff and reads stuff online. Um, yeah. so I had a Twitter presence then, but yeah, I'm just not really kind of going back into it now. And, um, so I would banter with all those guys over email and yeah, okay. like just kind of worked my way back into the, this blogosphere with the blog this time. I'm curious, um, I mean, you joined the staff semi-recently, so you haven't had, like, a ton of experience. You've had a couple of pieces, but, like, what is it like your approach trying to put together, like, a fan post? Because the beauty of the fan post section is you'll have somebody go in there, like, we should sign Boogie Cousins, and that's the fan post. <laughs> and then you'll have, like, an R983, and he puts together, like, a huge chart. Yes. Um, you have your, obviously, your definitive player rankings. You have, you know, there's such a wide variance So like, have you noticed any sort of difference between those two types of articles? Oh, absolutely. Like, um, I mean, for a while, I remember I, I started getting really like into writing and doing stuff probably uh, even before, even before COVID and when COVID happened, it was just like, okay, like, mm-hmm. uh, there's nothing to watch. Let's just talk about random stuff online. Like who's better, you know? Uh, yeah. Uh, Zach Levine or Demodis Sabonis. Like, <laughs> just like, <laughs> total crap like that um yeah but yeah like i always tried to write him from like a kind of qualitative perspective like i i i, I end up writing just like long marathon posts just because you know i <laughs> it's just easy to do like i yeah. just want to get all my all my thoughts out there uh but like when i'm going into something more statistical and i'm no like whiz with statistics but um i try to really like even amateurishly like really dig into stuff and not make big assumptions like really crass kind of assumptions and try to avoid confirmation bias i do sometimes get into that and people would call me out like like r9 he'd call me out he's he writes all kinds of good stuff um yeah he does and uh you know, the other guys like uh, like Old Resorter, Retired Janitor, like they're all writing cool stuff. And I would just, you know, kind of piggyback off a lot of what they were doing. Um, actually, one of my favorites recently was, uh, I think he's Duhawk Steve. He wrote something uh, that I incorporated a lot uh, into my first fan post for the site, which is about three-point shooting and uh, opposing three-point shooting. And I, I have my own theories with this. And they're, they're things I've just been working on with, like, I've been thinking about these all over the years, like, just looking at the numbers, especially with three-point shooting, it's just like a total fascination of mine. Um, kind of tracking the numbers and everything game by game. And I've been doing that since Bud took over. Um, and so about, you know, two years, two-ish years now. And just trying to figure out trends and try to make like hypotheses and... Uh, just form form a set of beliefs about what I think like is sort of like a 
just from the analytical perspective, like what's what's the way to to do this, like in terms of uh, shooting and defending. And then, like, I I want to bring it back and not be too you know nerdy. I know there's like a lot of people. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of shade being thrown around these days. It's a hot topic right now. It's not a good day. It's not a good time to be a nerd. You gotta no, keep your no, head no. beneath the parapet on that one. <laughs> so I'm trying to uh I'm trying not to uh get like too deep into those reads. Like I I try to watch film, like uh even if it's mostly buck centric, but just so I see where like the actual practical application of these things is happening uh i really enjoy i mean i okay i played basketball like until i was about um like competitively until i was like a freshman in high school and like you know we never like we weren't getting too deep into like (laughs) (laughs) or like a horns play or something like that but like there were some basics I like I had grasped. Like yep. I knew how to set a screen, you know, like mm-hmm. uh, I, I, I knew like, you know, I, we, we learned about like dribble handoffs and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so I've tried to like, as I've gotten deeper into basketball uh, as a fan, tried to reconcile that like analytical kind of high brain stuff that I really enjoy because I'm a total nerd. Uh, with the, um, the, the actual like basketball strategy of it, like the, 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 yeah, like I said, the practical applications of how you like are efficient, how you keep things like how you, how you practice, how you put onto the court, what analytics say you should do. And that's what a lot of, you know teams are trying to do right now at least the forward thinking ones and the bucks are one of those so yeah i think it's i think it's such a fine balance for people to strike so for me i never played basketball competitively at all i played like y games a couple of times and i was like (laughs) way too like out of shape at the time to play at all so i was like ah this probably isn't for me and so i have to like i don't really have the technical experience of being like yes of course i know like a pick and roll is everybody you can watch it you can understand but like i think there is a value in being able to even if it's somewhat amateur level experience having a little bit of an idea of the x's and o's which is where like you know brian sampson for a long time he he brought a lot of that where he did a super good job of the x and o's of it it transcends and then you can enmesh it with the statistics and i think that's something that's sometimes missing um and it, it can be hard to really try and get deep on both of those topics and bring them together in a way especially if you're like a part-time blog boy like we <laughs> for sure um that's boy with an i right yeah correct yeah. yes exactly um, <laughs> i yeah i liked what brian was doing a lot like i anything that's like totally I, i'm no like whiz with video like audio mm-hmm. sure video like i like if i could figure out a way to like incorporate you know these videos or like you know make gifts of that kind of stuff like that'd be really cool but i'll leave it to the people who are good at that because mm-hmm. i love yeah. that i do want to make one point though about my basketball like i'm not like, i don't have like some it's it's really like it was just middle school and my <laughs> freshman year my okay my high school actually like some some listeners from wisconsin they might be familiar with it i so i'm from madison i went to memorial high school um i graduated from there in 2007 
each year we were in the state tournament, we won it one year. Um, so like, you know, I, we, it was such a big school that we had, okay, there's varsity and a JV team. And there were like three or four freshman teams. And there were like, there was like the eight, there was like two A level teams. I wasn't even on that. I was on the C team. There were two C teams and like the Metro teams. We were only playing like the other high schools in town. Like I, I wasn't that good, but my, because mm-hmm. my high school, like the basketball program was huge. I mean, Wesley Matthews went to my high school. I had a class with Wesley Matthews. Actually. Oh. Um, he was two years ahead would of you, me. Would you say that you're a, cl- would you say you're a close personal friend of Wesley Matthews? Would oh, you yes. go that far? Absolutely. Yeah, okay, we go, go back. I mean, we're talking, we go back to 2004. We sat next, we, we did sit next to each other in, mm-hmm. uh, in AP psych, um, and yeah, he was like two, I was like a sophomore. He was a senior, but uh, nice guy. I really liked him. He was a uh, very, <laughs> very personable dude. Um, yeah. I have, I have a funny story about him in that class, but I won't, I don't know. <laughs> it's, That's for future. I got to save yeah. that for the future podcast. It is, a, it is a good story though. I promise you it's a funny story. We'll have Wesley Matthews story time later on, but I think that's a good point to not sure. So one of the key things to being a brew hoop blogger generally is you like the books. And so from Madison, yeah. um, what is it about the books that made you a fan? Why the Milwaukee Bucks when there's 29 other teams that you could have been a fan of? Why the local hometown team? Well, I will, I will admit to some dalliances with oh, no. a couple other teams, not the Timberwolves. Um, <laughs> So to that point, okay, uh, I had, <laughs> here's a good story. Uh, middle school. I remember one day I show up in the cafeteria and there's a life-size cardboard cutout of KG in there with a milk mustache, you know, yep. milk. Yep. And I loved Kevin Garnett. He was one of my favorite players growing up, uh, even though I wasn't a, a Wolves fan. Uh, but like one day I saw the gym teacher like taking that, that thing out to the dumpster. And, and I just said, "Hey, Mr. Guy, what are you doing?" That's like I'm throwing it away. It's like, no, I, I want it. So mm-hmm. I showed up, to, like I showed up to get picked up by my mom mm-hmm. later with a seven foot long cardboard man, <laughs> and I brought it home, and it was like in my basement for years. Uh, actually, it was pretty terrifying if the lights were out. Like I can imagine, yeah. Like it's just a giant seven foot guy who's he's like smiling. He's got this big smile. He's got this mm-hmm. milk mustache. I mean, it's Kevin Garnett. Like he's a scary dude. Yeah, I was gonna like, say he's menacing. Just base Kevin Garnett is somewhat <laughs> menacing. Yeah. Um. So I, no, I wouldn't say I was a Timberwolves fan. I did really like the Mavericks for a while as a kid. I was a big Dirk fan, and uh, I always liked Michael Finley because he was the only Badger in the league and. I grew up around the university. I went to the university, but the Bucks, uh, it kind of just goes back to like when I was a kid growing up, um, early nineties in Madison, like both my parents, uh, not only they're both two time Badger alums and they both worked for the university. So like they're huge, they're huge Badger fans. Uh, my dad, you know, he immigrated to the U S in the seventies and he, he, he kind of adopted all this stuff, but my mom is from Milwaukee. Um, so by the time I was, you know, around, like, of course they were into the Badgers and the Badgers were getting good at this point with the, mm-hmm. the 94 Rose Bowl win and such. And also the Packers, like during the five years. So I grew up just on the Packers and the Badgers. Uh, I loved those teams. I was just totally enamored with 
those two Wisconsin teams, uh, mostly with football, but also basketball with the Badgers. Um, but we didn't have cable, so I could never watch. <laughs> I could never watch. The only time I could watch baseball was like you know when it was on national TV, um, mm-hmm. and the Brewers were never on national TV in the nineties because they stunk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and the Bucks. It was like the playoffs, but. I got a radio in my room when I was, I don't know, about nine or so. And yeah, I started listening to Bob Uecker and, and Ted Davis on the radio. I was listening mm-hmm. to them all through like middle school and high school. Um, it was kind of just like, it's just like, okay, I'm, I'm from Wisconsin. These are the teams I like who are in Wisconsin. Uh, why would I pick any other team to cheer for? Um, yeah. And with my mom being from Milwaukee, like, she always likes to talk about so okay so she was born uh like she was born when the Milwaukee Hawks were still around okay yeah 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 um yeah. she doesn't remember it but she does remember uh when the bucks uh came she was about i think 12 years old when the bucks came um still in grade school uh john McLaughlin uh came to her came to her like her grade school or something she likes to talk about that so like did he drive did he drive home the importance of getting a stop and then a basket and then a stop and then a basket back then get it together guys (laughs) Uh, that's my (laughs) oh come on not bad that's not bad and he would go like (laughs) if if anyone like had like a sweet reverse layup he'd just go like or something like that Um, (laughs) no i i I don't think uh, she never said anything about that but i grew up like hearing about uh that those teams from the yeah. like around the 1970, like the the Larry Costello years of championship team, I knew who Oscar Robertson was. I knew who Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was. I knew he was Lou Alcindor when mm-hmm. he was in Milwaukee. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah I mean, because my mom grew up there, uh, so she, yeah, like it just it just was kind of a fit like that. And yeah, um, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of Bucks stuff to root for when I was a kid until. Uh, I was probably about in middle school when like, you know, they actually made a playoff run. Um, mm-hmm. But still it was like, even throughout the nineties, it was like, okay, everyone loved, everyone loved the bulls. And it's like, okay, mm-hmm. the, the bulls in the nineties. Yes. It's like, it's, it's like cream of the crop basketball playing. Of course, like I appreciated it, but like, I was the type of kid who was like, nah, Michael Jordan's not my favorite player. Scotty Pippen's <laughs> my favorite player. And I had yeah. a I had a Scottie Pippen jersey. I actually named my dog after Scottie Pippen, partially okay. after Scottie Pippen. Yeah. Um. So I was sort of like, it's like you know what? Like I, I mean, I'm from Wisconsin. Like I'm not rooting for the Bears. I'm not rooting for the mm. Cubs. Yeah. Never. I'll never root for the Cubs. But yeah, I mean, like, uh, it it just was like I I think I had this desire to have this like home state loyalty and mm-hmm. also just kind of be like different like not be like i mean all these everybody else who rooted for the bulls it was easy to be a bulls fan it was hard to be a bucks fan that's every that's kid the thing. every kid had a jersey uh, either the red or the black jordan jersey some of them mm-hmm. had the starter jackets like the 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 bulls starter jackets i was just like that's eh, that's not for me like mm-hmm. i'm not gonna be like uh, i'm not gonna be like all those other kids so yeah, yeah i guess that's kind of that's kind of it uh, and have. also the also the video game stuff that we can go <laughs> yeah. Well, did you guys? So your mom's from Milwaukee. You guys obviously live in Madison. Did you guys go to a lot of games? Um, you know, or was it kind of like every once in a while sort of thing? Uh, we never actually. We would 
we would every once in a while we go to a brewer game okay and um i have an aunt who still lives uh, in milwaukee and she would take me sometimes but we never got to i never got to a bucks game until i was in college actually like jeez okay. i know um i mean when i was in college it was like i had you know a little bit more autonomy over what i could do um yeah. and some of my friends and i were just like yeah let's go watch uh Let's go watch uh, John Salmons and uh, oh, actually, yeah, the first game I remember, uh, Chris Douglas Roberts, who was one of those CDR. CDR had a huge game. He scored like thirty points. Um, Yeah, so I started to actually being able to go to Bucks games when I was in college. It was like I would, you know, spend some discretionary money to get cheap tickets there. That's 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 quite the experience because I remember going to the Bradley Center once in a while and it like it didn't blow me away even as a kid. So when when you're in college and like you go in there like, oh, this is like the place, huh? And like I was used to going to the Cole Center in Madison, Uh which is great. Yes it is. I had even been to some other I've been to a number of NBA arenas, but by that point I think I had maybe even been to uh, I'm trying to think. I had maybe even been to some other like NBA arenas that were certainly nicer than Bradley Center. Because I mean, every I mean every NBA arena at that point. Was it was not. Really it was not a good place to watch a game. I mean, the crowd the crowd noise is pretty good, but other than that, it was it was a death trap. I, I hated love going. Oh God, those the second level is just uh uh-huh. like, <laughs> the nosebleeds, which is all you're really going to be able to afford at a certain point. You're like, we're just going nosebleeds, and it's like one one wrong step here <laughs> he and it's all too. over <laughs> I, know. But to be fair, I don't think i ever heard of anybody like routinely dying at the bradley center but it felt like it could be a possibility it's surprising that. that like no one was seriously injured in that just insanely sloped upper deck i mean mm-hmm. that that arena was built for hockey and like you could tell like it was mm-hmm. not yeah it was pretty obvious no yeah. it was not yeah <laughs> So now, nowadays, when you watch the team, so now you kind of started talking a little bit about your writing process. Again, you haven't had a ton of chance to like dive into our fun recaps and everything like that, but maybe Soon. you can even you can, you can even bring in a little bit of when you were covering the Brewers. When you're watching a game, do you have any sort of like, so, so two questions. One, what does your setup look like? So when it, when the Bucks game is on, what are you, is it laptop TV? And two, are there any sort of points of emphasis that you're looking for when you're watching the game? Or is it just kind of like a holistic, I'm here for the ride. Let's see how it goes. Yeah, for sure. Um, so my setup uh, right now is in flux. Okay. I, um, you know, like, I, okay. So uh, I would always just like cast it off my laptop uh, via um, Google Chromecast and mm-hmm. Uh, then I have my laptop around if I want to look at like some stats or a box score or something. Um, but having some issues lately with, I would always, uh, I, I, <laughs> I, I always would watch via Fox sports go. Mm-hmm. And uh, because like my parents have a cable subscription, I just like use their login for that. Yeah. But something's up with that cable provider right now to the point where like, they're like, I, I can't, I can't watch the bucks right now using that which Mm -hmm. is new as of like you know december like i was able to do it for years and years prior to that so i think there might be something i know there's some issues with like uh they got like contract dispute or not contract but like whoever the provider is hasn't agreed with the actual regional sports network right i i want to say that my 
internet providers. I'm guessing it's in, involved in that some way. Anyway, so I've just been watching them on my laptop using strictly legal sources to watch. Amen. Yep. Yo ho, yo ho. <laughs> nope. um, no pirates life for us. So my <laughs> so my <laughs> setup is very is very uh, Spartan right now. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, on the I, off chance that you do find something that's somewhat stable and you can make out more than grainy little things moving around the screen, hey, are you then, is it the investment in, are you able to like look hey, at I, specific things or? Yeah, for sure. And I've, I've found some pretty, I found some pretty uh, sources <laughs> for that. Um, but yes, I, if, if anyone's, you know, read my, my dribble, on the internet um i'm really i'm really big on three-point attempts um this is my this is just like one of those things i've you know i've been i've been looking at over the years and um just just like i mean looking through the numbers and trying to make some sense of them but i i guess it was in let's see in 2019 in the in the the first year like when they made the conference finals run Mm -hmm. um just starting to realize and they i don't think they were allowing that many threes that year um actually this year i i think they're 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 limiting things a lot better lately they're limiting volume really well uh but last year they really didn't and i just remember having some conversations with friends it's like okay um, there's the, uh, it'd been, it'd been bandied about around the internet, like local and national writers talking about like, oh, well, uh, saying stuff like, oh, well, an opponent can't shoot that well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't even want to finish it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. Four times in seven games or they're just making the good or like they're, they're making the bad three point shooters shoot mm-hmm. stuff like yeah. that. And or like oh and, and I don't I don't want to use the O word, but you know, you know what I'm referring to mm-hmm. yes yeah um but I as that started like probably that first year of Bud as people started talking about it I'm like I don't know about this and I think a lot of my worst fears were realized in that Eastern Conference Finals. Um, in fact, I looked back at a fan post I wrote before the playoffs in 2019, and I was talking about like. Okay, these are the sh- these are the people that the Bucks need to be really worried about. Mm-hmm. And yeah, did you Fred- have Fred? Did you have Fred Van Vliet circled with a bullet? You're like, look out for this dude in particular. Fred Van Vliet was definitely one of them. I think. <laughs> I mean, I just basically went through all the East contenders and, like, I I I mentioned some people on like Philly, like, who obviously didn't make it, but Fred Van Vliet was definitely one of the guys. Um, I don't know if there was any other Raptor I really talked about, honestly, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I guess like it was sort of at that point, it was like, okay, you know, I don't know about this. Uh, if the strategy of your defense is to just let people just bomb away. Um, uh, like, even if it's not like, you know, if it's Rajan Rondo instead of uh, uh, someone, I don't know, you know, Fred Van Vliet. Um, yeah. It's like how how sustainable is that? And I think we saw last year that it's uh, it's. I mean, even even in twenty nineteen, before the, like after they flamed out against Toronto, I was already like, I don't think this is. I don't think this is a good idea. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think last year, 
in the bubble, especially against Miami, really confirmed that um, because yeah. they did give up all throughout last year, even when they were just totally rolling. I was mm-hmm. thinking like, like when they were winning 18 straight games, I was just thinking like, you know, they give up a lot of threes. Like they are demolishing teams and they're beating teams that are shooting tons and tons of threes and they're shooting pretty well. Like they're, they're mm-hmm. shooting, you know, like a decent clip, a decent percentage and just a lot of attempts. Um, yeah. This is something I think could bite them at some point. And I mean, I, this year there's been a lot of uh, like regression to the mean among defenses. Like last year, the best defenses, Milwaukee, Toronto, Miami, were giving up tons and tons of threes. Um, and it didn't really, the percentage, you know, wasn't really that big a deal because that's something that's harder to control. But you can control, you can, you can more easily control how many that an opponent attempts. Uh, yeah. But then, uh, like this year, that has flipped uh, on its head. And uh, the best defenses right now are just keying in on the three ball. Like they're not, mm-hmm. I mean, the percentages are low, but uh, also like the attempts are very low for these opponents too. Um, mm-hmm. I think that just underscores how volatile it is, like how yeah. one year it can be this and one year it can be that. Um, but I look at championship teams and I they aren't, by and large, they're not giving up tons and tons of three-point attempts. Yeah. Um, so that's like the main thing I look at. If if the Bucks hold their opponent within a few attempts of their season average, that I generally think is very good. Yeah. Um, and they've been doing that a lot more lately in the last couple months. I think that's very promising um, because I think that is – very uh that, that that's going to be very important in the playoffs um even mm-hmm. though like teams are taking less threes in the playoffs generally uh like just limiting that part of the game because i mean in the playoffs the game slows down it's harder to get to the rim stuff like that uh so teams are going to take more jump shots and mm-hmm. i mean shots from the mid-range go way up in the postseason uh but three-point shots like I mean, it's the NBA today, like more and more people are like, it's just able to do it. It's like teams are shooting half their, sometimes more from half their attempts from three. So, but that's like, I mean, that's, that's what happens in the playoffs. Teams are team. The game slows down. Teams are going to pull up and shoot. Um, So the less you can allow that or the less, the more you can prevent that. I think the better, that's one of the main things I look at. I think it's backed up by like, I mean, this is just something I've, again, been following over the years. It has, like, some, you know, it has some backing, like, statistically, especially this year. It just, it, it's it's variable. It's it's a little too early to draw, like, sweeping conclusions, like, definitively say, like, to, to win, like, you need to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's very important. It's something I, I look at. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I've heard Bud say sometimes in interviews like even last year like you would say at uh like like a halftime interview or uh you know they do the interview after the first or the third quarter yeah he might say something like like one of the first things he might say would just be like yeah well and even last year when they were like destroying teams so yeah well we're, we're giving up a lot of three-point attempts we're giving up a lot of open looks from three it's like so it's like i think he always was aware of it i think this yeah. year it's actually getting like it's, it's actually becoming a a, a, 
it's it's actually been incorporated into the defense a lot more. Um, yeah, it's getting better. So that's yeah. a main. It's like the main thing I look at. Other stuff, uh, uh, usually like uh, assist to turnover kind of stuff. Um, mm-hmm. Offensive rebounds. Those are, uh, yeah. I can't stand. I can't stand like. Oh, how man. much? How much did you love against the Clippers when oh, Brook Lopez? Don't... He didn't even. <laughs> that was that was embarrassing. That was tough to watch. I was like, "Come on, Brook, just move your hand a little bit to the right, my man. You, you so I'm got it." I'm, I'm a big Patrick Beverly fan. Um, yeah, I know I'm like in the minority among some of the people on the writing staff. He's a, he's a scrapper. He's a scrapper for sure. I, he's a scrapper, but I actually think he's I mean, on defense. Yes, but I actually think he's. I think he's a talented player. I think he, he's a good shooter too. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it was just like that. I mean, cause they were up, I think 10 at that point, And then mm-hmm. <laughs> he got two offensive rebounds to the one possession. Uh-huh. And then yes, like all did. of a sudden, like a minute, not even a minute later, it's like a two point game or something. Um, mm-hmm. These kinds of things. I mean, like offensive rebounds can be a, if you get an offensive rebound and you hit a three off that, that is demoralizing. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. that can totally change the outcome of a game. Like even if that happens like in the third quarter, which was when the yes, sequence yeah. with Pat Beverly and Brooke Lopez was happening. Um, yeah. Like God, if oh, I have, I feel like I have nightmares about, you know, bucks, <laughs> like, like some bucks opponent just grabbing a, like, you know, it's a, it's a shot that just caroms off the rim. Like, Mm-hmm. Way out to like the top of the three, the uh, top of the the free throw line. Someone grabs it and immediately finds the open shooter, hits a three. It's just like, yeah, mm-hmm. like that's that's just brutal. Anyway, yeah, that's a brutal sequence. So I think this is a good transition point, real quick here. So we're not going to talk too much about this year's team, right? I mean, they'll kind of come up, but I want your opinion. Favorite non Giannis book and least favorite book of this year? Who, who uh, would you say are the two guys who are getting those awards from you halfway through the season? It's it's an appropriate time for those awards to be built. Sure, sure. Um, it's interesting. The last few years, I really like, I, I especially like in 2019, you know, when they, like, you know, they, they almost made the finals. Mm-hmm. I loved everybody on the team. Yeah. Um, and even last year too, like I was big, you know, George Hill guy, I was very sad to see him leave. Uh, I have a George Hill jersey over in that closet. Um, <laughs> I like, yeah. Uh, Wesley but, Matthews, obviously, you already have the personal connection. with. Yeah, I don't need that. That would, yeah. that would be too weird. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but this year, it's different. So, okay. Hmm. Let me just, all right. I This is embarrassing. You can pull up the roster if you need to. That, that's I need all right. to pull up the roster just because, like, I don't want to forget anybody. Um, how mad will you be if I say Diakite is my <laughs> <laughs> You heard it here first, folks. The first podcast attendee to go it. for this. <laughs> not going to say it. Not going to do it. Uh, I, hmm. Okay. Favorite non, non Giannis player. This, I mean, maybe Giannis isn't even your favorite player. That would be hell of a zag. <laughs> go for it. I mean, maybe Diakite is my favorite yeah. player. <laughs> yeah, true. Um, uh, I, I've always been a big Brook Lopez guy. Um, he's getting a little bit of the shaft this year. Um, mm-hmm. 
but I'm not going to go with him. And actually I'm, I'm going to go with Drew Holiday because like, Oh my God, there were some, there've been some games. Oh gosh. I can't remember which game it was, but he just had this like absolutely perfect quarter, like where it was like, you saw everything that everything that he was brought in to do that especially, and especially things that Eric Bledsoe couldn't do. Mm -hmm. Um, I think Drew Holiday's a great player. Uh, I think he, uh, I think he's, yeah, just, I mean, I think he's the, I think he's the second most important player on this team right now. Uh, More important than Chris Middleton, Uh, which, yeah, I wouldn't have said uh, until more recently. So I'll go with, I'll go with Drew for that. Now my, this is a little more fun talking about my least favorite, um, which is how I went yeah, so I'm gonna exempt DJ Wilson because ah, he's oh. everybody's he's everybody's least favorite player, but he's also everybody's favorite player. So DJ, you're gonna get you're not gonna be the pinata tonight. So this, <laughs> where Giannis is the non the exempt favorite player, DJ Wilson is the exempt least favorite player. Hey, I, you know DJ, like he he endeared himself to me that like that brief time in like December that, December 2019 December wasn't into it? like January of yeah 2018 <laughs> 20, he endeared himself to me then. Um, so, uh, okay. It's interesting because there are two guys who are sticking out to me were players I really liked before they came to Milwaukee. And that's DJ Augustine and Tori Craig. Mm-hmm. Um, I may, hmm, I guess I'd have to go. I'd have to go with Tori Craig at this point because, <laughs> which sucks. Cause also, and also I want to, I should have prefaced this with saying, like, I like everybody on the Bucks. Yeah, this is not a personal dislike sort of thing. This is simply a fit with the basketball team role they're playing sort of He's thing. He's just the one I like less than a lot of the, than everyone mm-hmm. else. Um, because Augustine, I think uh, when they put him in the starting lineup a few weeks ago, he 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 looked he, he looked a lot he better. Looked, he um, looked better. Yeah, he was great in the Clippers game. Um, mm-hmm. I think he. I mean, I thought he was totally washed before that, but, uh, you know, if you, <laughs> but him playing alongside, you know, you put him in the right lineup, you put him next to Giannis and Chris Middleton, he's, I mean, that, that helps him look a lot better. So um, he has risen out of my, my uh, Bucks uh, hell. <laughs> and, uh, okay. Tory Craig, I was again. I I really liked him in Denver. I I loved watching. I, I I've a big. I've really enjoyed watching Denver in the postseason the last two seasons, especially last year. And he was just a dog. I mean, like you saw him uh, on. Um, let's see. I, I remember seeing him like on Dame Lillard and and uh, McCollum in that um, that series two years ago uh, uh, that went to seven games, twenty nineteen playoffs. And then last year, I mean, like he was working on Kawhi and Paul George. Uh, yeah. He, I thought, was just this outstanding on-ball defender. I knew he couldn't really shoot much, but, you know, like when the Bucks got him on a minimum deal, I was like, hell yes, that's a great, <laughs> that's that's a perfect fit for the team. But um, yeah. it just seems like a lot of those abilities have kind of, I don't know if it's a system thing or what, like, yeah. Uh, it, 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 I just haven't seen anything like that this year. He had that one great game against this old team where he hit a bunch of threes, but like, I mean, at this point, like, I don't know. I mean, like I, he, he's, he's on a minimum deal. It's not like he's going to fetch anything in a trade, but I would probably yeah. use him as a salary matching piece right now. You know, like it's yeah. too bad. 
Uh, so it, yeah. Yeah, I, I like it, I like the guy. I like him. Yeah, <laughs> when especially so I, I keep talking about the beauty of the Tory Craig signing was like we were coming in, we were like ah yeah free agency, you got a couple signings, and somebody's like this dude who was a starter for the Nuggets who got for a minimum deal, and everyone's like hell yes, we're gonna, we're going for a championship now. So tough for him to come in under those circumstances, and I wonder too. I mean, he didn't get a lot of burn right off the start of the season, so it might be like a. It might be partially yeah. he could be a little washed, but also, you know, if you're coming off of like a starting role and all of a sudden you're like fighting for rotation minutes against DJ Wilson, you're like, okay, <laughs> what am I doing here? Well, and this season's totally weird too. Like, uh, I mean, I don't know exactly when he signed, but like, uh, he, you know, he didn't, he, 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 he was, it was a little later. So like, yeah, he was like, I think it was the last free agent, yeah. the last like big name free agent we got. And then on top of that, there's no real training camp or like the preseason's curtailed. There's no practice during the season. So it's, it's a weird season. It's hard to judge these kinds of things right now. Um, But you know, like, gosh, I mean, it's, it's just too bad. It's just too bad. What's happened with Tory Craig. I, maybe he'll turn it around. That'd be nice. Maybe he'll turn it around. It'd be nice to have a, I would, I would love, I think one of the things that the Bucks really could use, uh, well, I don't think it's a big deal if they can't get this kind of a player this season. Uh, in fact, like it's probably low on my list of priorities if I'm making a move, if I'm John Horst, but uh, a, a wing stopper would like be a great addition to this team. Mm-hmm. Basically what we thought Tory Craig would be. Um, I don't know who that is. I mean, uh, before the season, you would have said Tory Craig would have been the guy. You're like, we exactly. should go get Tory Craig. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I don't know. I it, that might be a difficult thing to do right now. Like you can't just. I <laughs> I don't know what buyout. It's not like Marv Williams last year, where it's like he had they had some time to be able to work him in, and then he got like three months off where it was mm-hmm. like he could really study the playbook. <laughs> it's just been a weird couple of years. <laughs> yeah, it has been. Um, so another thing. So again starting into your role here but let's say i gave you unlimited time resources and interest levels on any bucks or mba basketball related topic you want is there a particular thing so you said three-point shooting is there a particular topic around the team about the team about a player that you would like really like to dive deep in on for like an article or even like a series of articles that's a great question um I mean, my first inclination was to say, you know, three-point shooting. Uh, and I guess maybe that's why I'd say, but I, huh. <laughs> it was interesting because when, when when you first started asking that question, I, I sort of was like, oh, just anything basketball related? Like, I want to mm-hmm. go into like jerseys or something like that. You know? <laughs> um, but um, if I was to... If I okay, so if I so you're saying if I had like unlimited access to the team, it's yep. let's it's, say they open up they open up the record books. So like for me, I would be really interested in like trying to parse out what the hell the ownership situation looks like ooh, because that's that's, that's like the high level, and because I'm not oh. that good in breaking down the actual X and O's of the game. But maybe ah. there's a specific other topic okay. you'd be more interested in. Now, okay, that is that is a good idea because I am. Also very fascinated in like these off court type things too, like with mm-hmm. roster movement and stuff. The ownership. Okay, I'm glad you brought that up because now now yeah. the gears are turning because ownership okay. would be ownership would be interesting. But um, 
I would, I guess this is kind of tangential to that. Like what the hell happened with Justin Zanuck and, mm-hmm. um, and like the, so, okay, well, oh, we can go even back further. Like how about like yeah. what happened with Larry Drew? What happened with, uh, <laughs> what happened with Zanuck? Yeah. What happened with, with kid, that kind of stuff. Yeah. 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 That would be fascinating. Uh, but I think, uh, even more interesting would just be to like, I, I think I would, I would love to get deep into like what happened with Bogdanovich. This, this, mm-hmm. this, this, this was back in December, November. Yep. Um, I mean, I've read what is out there, but that's just what they've allowed people to mm-hmm. write about. Um, yep. Things like that. I think it would just be like roster moves and i would take it way back like i want to know what the hell happened in march 2000 or february 2003 when mm-hmm. they traded ray allen because mm-hmm. that was a watershed moment for me as a bucks fan it was a, wa- it was a watershed moment for a lot of people so you're was, not alone on that i mean he was he was my favorite he's my favorite player in the league and um yeah. i was quite quite angry mm-hmm. <laughs> um I, I remember, like, I, I talked about this with my mother not too long ago, and she's like, oh, I remember that day. <laughs> um, but she wasn't, she was, she didn't get it either. I mean, uh, so things like that. I think, yeah, if, if I, I'd be more interested in finding out about some of these, like, roster machinations they've done over the years. Like, uh, yeah, maybe, uh, maybe, okay, like, uh, like we talked about earlier, Bogut with, uh, with, um, I was gonna say the Monte Ellis versus Monte Steph Ellis. Curry. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I was gonna say Steph Curry. It was like there was rumors at the time. It was just like, well, you know, they because Steph Curry was really injured his first few mm-hmm. years, his, his ankles and everything. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Legs, whatever, knees, ankles. I don't remember, but like, because yeah. it doesn't matter now because he got over that and he became amazing. Uh, things like that. Because I, I remember even at the time being like, ooh. Steph Curry, that'd be pretty cool, like, instead mm-hmm. of Monte Ellis. And at the time, like, you kind of saw Monte Ellis, like, as insane as this is to say. And nine years later, you thought that, like, he was the better player. <laughs> yeah, mean, yeah, yeah. At least in a vacuum at that time. Like, I mean. And for a team with the win, the win now mandate that that era of the Bucks, I mean, that was, that <laughs> was, was everything. So I was like, Monte Ellis, of course, we have to have him. Come on. Classic move. And also, um, maybe the J.J. Redick trade. That'd be another one, too. Like, the Tobias Harris mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. I like J.J. Redick a lot. I listen to his podcasts every chance I get. Um, just, he hasn't talked too much about the Bucks on his podcast, but I'd be very mm-hmm. curious to know more about that whole thing. Um, yeah. I remember going to, like, one of the first games he played uh, with the Bucks, and I was just like, well, why aren't they starting him? <laughs> but he was never really... <laughs> He was never really a starter uh, until yeah. the Clippers. Um, also, uh, another guy whose podcast I was listening to earlier, Richard Jefferson, like he played for the Bucks for a year, and he had, he had a great season for the Bucks. But like, he's the he's the only Buck who I have his jersey, and it, I mean, it's a discount. It's <laughs> straight out of somewhere in China, I'm sure, but it's the only Bucks jersey that I own is a Richard Jefferson jersey. RJ was great, and I always thought it was a very underrated player, and I was quite pleased when the Bucks got him. Um, mm-hmm. I thought like, uh, but they then they ended up stinking that year. I mean, that was probably like two thousand eight or so. Um, mm-hmm. Really forgettable years. It was. I I want to say it was like one of the years that Red was like he it was like the first Red injury or something like that. Yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, I, I was because I was quite pleased to see the guy, and they got him for like they got him for E, didn't they? They got him for E Jianan, and I think so. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it was just like, but also like, like RJ, I'm sure did not want to be in Milwaukee that year. He's another guy who hasn't really talked much about his uh, his wonderful time spent uh, in, with the Bucks. I think a lot of players, former players, don't really want to talk about their years in Milwaukee from like, you know, 2003 or so to like mm-hmm. 2015 or whatever. Um, yeah. Just because it like probably wasn't good. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I mean, and I don't blame them. Uh, maybe, I don't know. I don't know why they, they're not more open about it because it seems like it would be like an easy, they'd be like very easy punching. Some easy bag. stories, yes. Easy yeah, punching. Bigger. I don't know. No. I like your idea of doing the transactions, though, because there's so much. Of, so like you said, with the Bogdanovich trade, that's like what they've been allowed to write or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. And there's so much about like players and the way that we identify with them or the way that they're presented to the public where it's uh, everything that goes down is all sent, kind of like smoke and mirrors in the back room, yeah. you know, and we just we just get whatever the end result is like, OK, cool. And sometimes you'll get like a Zach Lowe story about like how... Zach Levine went from blah 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 to <laughs> bull starter, and like you know, they'll have like a little bit of a deeper story where it's like kind of positive spin for everybody involved. Yes, but yes. I think I can only imagine the amount of deals they'd either fall apart or like they're just mold, yeah, or, or like the guys that you swap in or out to like, okay, uh, hell, we need to make this match, so throw this guy in or whatever. So I, I would be curious about that too, just on a day to day functional basis for these front offices. Yeah, I mean, that's the only thing I'm really. Like I, I mentioned, a, a, like some very notable trades that have happened, uh, but there's got to be way more that just like didn't happen that would mm-hmm. be fascinating, or even like some of the really like how about like oh boy, how about how, 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 <laughs> the the Grievous Vasquez trade like oh god, <laughs> like to be in that like a fly on that wall it I you know I bet it's like have you seen that uh, did like a little ESPN mini documentary about the Kings drafting Nick Stauskas. Um, I think I've watched a little bit of it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. We're like, we're, we're like the, what's her face? Um, Diva is like, really, he's jacked, right? Yeah. He was super like, jacked about it. Like, and it was basically like, did he just overrule like his front uh. office? Cause his front office, I don't remember who they wanted to draft, but then he just comes and he's like, we're going to do Stauskas. Um, and, <laughs> Like I want to, I, I I think that's probably what like I think that might have been what happened with Gravis Vasquez, where like John Hammond just goes like, we want Gravis Vasquez. He is going to mm-hmm. be the point guard to lead this team. Mm-hmm. Um, like Gravis Vasquez was was a decent player at one point, but um, like he probably not now, and also not for a first round pick. Please let's oh not do God. that. But it wasn't even the first round pick that like killed them. It was the second round pick. It was mm-hmm. Norm Powell. Mm-hmm. Oh boy, that's that might be the. Mm. It's like it's hard John Hammond had some bangers for sure. When it comes to bad traits, he had some straight bangers. I, think, I was, yeah, hey. I just want to say, I think John Hammond was an average GM. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like yeah. he, he, had he not drafted Giannis, he would have been a bad GM. But he was an <laughs> average GM who mostly made he made some good trades, like John Salmons. That was what when mm-hmm. he acquired John Salmons. Like he made yeah. some good moves like that, but. Yeah, like he, he was just average. He was very average. Um, yeah. I don't think he was terrible like some people do. I definitely yeah. don't think he was good. But yeah, <laughs> I think that's that's how I feel about a lot of executives. I just look at some of them and just like, ah, they're just like average. People think they're terrible, but like they've done some good things. <laughs> well, and, <laughs> and there's so much 
then there's so much, you know, like I think John Hammond is the perfect encapsulation where there are like, I would say like probably pretty good GMs or like they're really good at certain skills. But for him, like for a lot of guys, (laughs) he like bumbles into a guy in the middle of the first round. And then of course, everything like Atlanta's like, well, we liked him too. It's like, shut up. (laughs) He liked him so much, trade up for him. Just shut up about it. But because he bumbles into that pick, John Hammond's a hero. He like inadvertently a couple of steps later, he saves the, the Milwaukee Bucks by getting out of, and then the team sucks and sure. then they get Jabari. Like, you know, the the sliding doors of John Hammond making that pick. It goes on and on. I remember watching uh what was it like TNT a while back, they did like a finding Giannis kind of thing. Like it was, yeah, yeah, yeah. some yeah. videos, some little documentary series. And it seemed to paint John Hammond in a pretty favorable light, like they were scouting him. They were like looking into him pretty well. And I'm willing to believe some of that. Um, yeah. It's just funny. Like I, I, that, that draft, like I want them to take Schroeder and be like, yeah, it's great. Oh, me too. I was really a big German on Schroeder too. A German yeah. player in Milwaukee. Partially because like, I was always pissed that Dirk Nowitzki. Dirk didn't work out. So you're like, we're going to get the second Dirk. We're not making this. We're not missing again. We're not trading tractor trailer rest in peace for <laughs> um but anyway it worked out this time so it did all right <laughs> so let's say tomorrow i make you nba commissioner for a day what is one thing about the nba you are changing and this wow. again I, I like the why on these sorts of questions i think it's instructive if we do the wide lens you could do an on-court change like about how the game actually you know, it could be roughing, it could be a specific like layout of the court, or it could even be wider out, like a media thing. What one thing about the change would you like to change? I have a lot of like big picture ideas, like 30,000 okay. feet, but I'll start with an on-court one that just <laughs> like, uh, okay, um, let's talk about, let's talk about charges. Like I, I would, I would, I would totally revamp mm-hmm. like what, like I, I'm, I totally revamped the rules. I won't, I don't know about any specifics, but like, I hate, I hate when a player, this happened in a game not too long ago, just like, just slides in from over on the, like, you know, he's like over in like, like almost on the baseline. We'll just slide into like, just outside the restricted area and take a charge. It's just like, I, I, I hate that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, what I think is worse. And the bucks are beneficiaries of this a lot. Thanks to Chris Middleton is just these shooting fouls where it's like they're just putting up like they, like they're already getting kind of like they're, they're in heavy contact with their defender and it's like oh if i just put up this like shot that has no chance of going in like mm-hmm. i'm gonna get a shooting foul um chris milton's great at doing that i mean it's i think it's like it, like i see how it benefits everybody but i think it's a bad rule um yeah, yeah those are i guess those are too i'll start with but i'm more interested in yeah the bigger picture stuff like especially with the media and dealing with small markets um Mm -hmm. i'll get on my soapbox now the um i think okay i don't think i wrote a fan post about this a while ago i don't think the nba does a good enough job of protecting its smaller markets Uh, the bucks are the i believe the fourth smallest media market in among all 28 NBA markets because of course 28 because we got two teams in two of them yep LA and New York uh the only smaller ones are Memphis OKC and New Orleans uh not in that order but um you you okay you look at those teams and the stars that they've had in over the years um Memphis did a 
pretty good job of retaining their stars after they traded Pau Gasol. Mm-hmm. Um, New Orleans, of course, with Anthony Davis. We don't need to go into that. Um, Oklahoma City, like Kevin Durant. Uh, I mean, it even even before, like you could even say like the James Harden thing had a little bit to do with with the market size. Um, not that like, not that it is incumbent upon players to want to play in these places necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's pretty clear to me that like some players do not respect teams that are in these markets, no matter how good they play. Like mm-hmm. uh, Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert, Rudy Gobert we just had it a couple have, of days ago. Yeah, have been have been yeah they've 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 been like complaining about you know how they don't get the respect from the refs because they're the Utah Jazz, and it's mm-hmm. just like yeah, I mean that's kind of what I think. Uh, and it doesn't matter how well a team is run. The Utah Jazz are one of the best run small market teams in the league. Um, mm-hmm. They uh, and like they they have been run so much better than the Lakers in the last ten years. Mm-hmm. Uh, so have I mean the Spurs are like the gold standard. Yeah. Um, the but the Thunder, uh, the um, the Blazers, even mm-hmm. I would say. Um, and uh yeah like i guess those are those are the main ones i guess i point to among like smaller market teams and how well they do but it does not matter how how uh how well these teams are run uh to nba players they will still be more interested in like the brooklyn nets who you know totally destroyed Mm -hmm. themselves uh yeah or the lakers because of the market or because of the history. Um, and I would, I would like to address that somehow. I think, I mean, there's, there's stuff with tampering. I think, okay. One thing I would do is I totally overhaul like what constitutes tampering because like, <laughs> it's not, tampering. It's, a little, it's a little too gray area ish right now. It's a little, it's not tampering. If you say we're going to resign our player to a super max uh-huh. contract, that's not tampering. Yeah. Like he's yeah. on your team. Um, but I don't think it's – I think it's just not good for the league when players are just saying, like, you know, I, I want to be traded to these places. Like, mm-hmm. even when it's even when it's James Harden going from a flagship market like, like Houston, um, it's – I don't think it's necessarily good. I, I mean, I, I, I'm the type of person who would side with labor in a lot of these – kinds of disputes but the players have a lot of power right now Mm -hmm. um the players maybe should have more power but i don't know if they should have this much power it's like it's like okay maybe right now we're at like uh, you know like let's say we're at 65 35 players like you get that more towards like you know 55 45 or something Mm -hmm. like that i i mean i just don't think yeah i I don't, I don't, but I also don't want to begrudge a player for like, uh, not wanting to be with a team that's terribly run. Um, yeah. like <laughs> there were, who was it? I want to say it might've been, no, it's Draymond Green who was saying like about Devin Booker last year, like Devin Booker should, should get out of Phoenix. And look, yeah. the Suns were, I mean, 
terribly run. They had, they had a, yeah. they had a freaking goat, like mm-hmm. shit all over. Can I say that? Can I say? Yeah, yeah, it's fine. You're good. Goat shit all over their GM <laughs> office. Like, uh, that kind of thing. Um, it's like, okay. Yeah. Like the sun's, yeah, it's, it's bad to play for them, mm-hmm. but for someone, it's sort of like, okay, Draymond Green is part of the like, NBA kind of bourgeois, yeah. movie, right? Yeah, like he's yeah. from he's from this um, this big market, which has a has like just exceptional management and ownership. Like what they've done in Golden State in the last several years, like it's very good. Um, for him to say that kind of thing, that's really I think terrible optics. Mm-hmm. Um, and like even if it's true to an extent it's like Devin Booker means a lot to Phoenix um Devin Booker I think was I think it's, it's nice now that like you know people are saying like he's one of the most disrespected players in the league it's like mm-hmm. yeah he, he has been he's finally getting his due I think but like there were a lot of, there are a lot of these players like Zach Levine's a good example um who I've always thought were just like really really fine players Bradley Beal gets some of this too they're playing for shit teams but they are good players and yeah. they they don't necessarily, but, but so they deserve the the credit, like and actually, like I mean, I mean, I thought I, even even Vucevic this year, who like is playing for a bad team right now, like the dude is a deserving All Star. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's having an amazing season. He's averaging like twenty four points a game on like forty percent three point shooting. He's great. I really yeah. like Vucevic. Um, Vucevic. I always screw up that name. Yeah, like. These players uh, deserve deserve their their due, um, even if they're playing for like a poorly run organization. And we shouldn't just say like, "Oh, you know, like Anthony Davis, he kicks ass," but like he's in New Orleans, like wasting yeah. away. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I think I think what's better is to may, maybe a way to do that is just to hold some of these teams to higher standards like hold i mean the the new orleans pelicans with uh del demps and uh they were not well run um i mean i i don't know exactly what you do like you just say like all right we're firing your gm and we're giving you for you yeah i just i i that's the main thing i would do is just and i would also do it from the media perspective it's just like okay like the four letter network (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm um the way they cover the big markets and compared to, and even just, okay, there, there's like 10 huge markets. There are 10 huge markets at the top. We've got LA, New York, um, Chicago, Philadelphia, uh, Miami, uh, who, when you factor in all their area of like West Palm beach and Fort Lauderdale, it's a very big area. Um, Dallas, Houston, Philadelphia, uh, Bay area. um, That's a good kind of, Good number of Boston, them, yeah. Boston. These yep. are the teams that, like, you know, get the focus from from the major networks. Um, and there's a reason for that. It's because there are more people in these places. But I think you have to really, I think they should really re-examine how they're covering those places. Because, like, outside of maybe the Knicks, who it's just been kind of fun to make fun of for a few <laughs> years, because they were just total circus. Yeah. Um yeah. I don't think, like, outside of that brief period where, like, Magic Johnson quit the Lakers, like, there was not enough people talking about how terribly that team was run. 
Uh, mm-hmm. No one's been talking about until more recently how it's like, okay, you know, Danny Ainge maybe isn't that good of a GM mm-hmm. uh, or Daryl. Okay. Daryl Morey in Houston. I don't think Daryl Morey is actually that good of a GM. And I don't think what they didn't like, I think Houston, like in the James Harden years, was just kind of like, I think was, was extremely overrated. And I don't mm-hmm. think what they were doing was very good, but like the narrative on all these people and all these markets is like, uh, is is much better than it actually is. Um, yeah. So I think it's, I, yeah, I think that that's, I, I would I would like to have, if I were commissioner, I would like to have a little bit more control over what the media is saying about yeah. the NBA and about some teams. This is me as a Bucks fan saying this, but I don't know. It, that, I think that's the, so that's like the key point, right? Is like us addressing this as Bucks fans is wildly different from if you were a big market fan, because for yeah. us, it's like, you're stuck between wanting to be on the side of labor or like, you know, the players having the ability to call the shots or at least alter their destiny. But a lot of the times that comes, you know, I don't feel all that bad for Robert Sarver if he loses Devin Booker, but I do feel bad for the other suffering small market fans where it's like, well, they didn't do anything to have this brought down upon them. And that's, that's, that's the, the contrasting things that you have to work against that. I'm not sure how you thread that needle. Well, I mean, what, what worked for the the Clippers was having a racist piece of shit owner who, <laughs> who Adam Silver could just be like, all right, yeah, uh, you're out. You're Catch out. You yeah. And, uh, we're going to, I mean, he made, a, Sterling made a lot of money off that, unfortunately, but it's like, we are going to take the team from yeah. you and make someone else buy it. Um, yeah. I mean, like that would be a great thing for some, for some places. Uh, <laughs> obviously some big, mar- obviously like the New York Knicks, that'd be great, but mm-hmm. also like the Sacramento Kings, it might be really good for, um, like what if that had happened with, uh, I mean, that could, that, that's something that could have happened with the Bucks, you know, like the, I mean, it happened with New Orleans too. Like the, the, I believe the NBA bought the, the New Orleans, they were probably the Hornets then. I believe they actually controlled they, that for a time. Yeah. Yeah, they did. And then they sold them to the Benson dude from the Saints. Uh, yeah. It's yeah. That like, that can be really hairy. Uh, but like, I think, I think it would be, yeah. I mean, like you, teams or ownership who's way more concerned about you know their pocketbooks than like actually fielding a good product mm-hmm. um, like that like because you can you don't have to i mean money is like the main driving it, it, it it's the main driving factor for these owners it does not matter necessarily how well the team does like the knicks are the most valuable franchise in the nba they've been terrible for years mm-hmm. um that's like the but the owners are still rolling in the dough. Uh, yeah. It's winning is not profitable, but I think like you can still be profitable and put a like compelling product on the floor that fans are going to be pleased with. And I think that's yeah. really important, um, especially in small markets. Milwaukee's a great example because uh, had the Bucks not been had have not had this renaissance in the last several years, like you know, like it, it things look very different. Um, they do. Yeah. Anyway, it's a tough spot. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I don't know how you solve it, but it's nice to have billionaire owners, billionaire owners, LED. We love you guys. Just that's, so you know, thanks for being here. That's how you solve it. Just throw money at it. 
That's how you solve it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. I got two more books related questions and then we'll transition to a couple more personal related ones. So uh, would you say you're still, you are a Badger fan as well? Yes. I Okay. An alum and a Madison native. Yeah. Okay. So then here are the two options. Bucks championship or Badgers uh, championship in basketball. Which one do you go for? I knew you'd say this. Um, <laughs> when you were when you were about to when you mentioned when you, we st- we started in that question when he's going to ask me about this. So I'll answer it this way. This is this is what I feel like of all the teams I care about. This is like my priority level in terms of who I want to win. What um, <laughs> number one? So this will answer your question. Uh, okay. Number one is the Brewers winning a World Series. Like that, I think is that has long been very important to me. And it's yeah. maybe right now I want the Bucks to win a championship more. I think I do, and it's very close. But the Bucks do have a ring. The Brewers yeah. um, don't. Uh, was baseball was baseball your first love as a see, professional yeah. sport? It's 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 interesting. I think actually like f- football was my first love. Okay, all um, right. Football is now like you know, like my ex-wife. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like uh, baseball was kind of like my, 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 my true love. Maybe like baseball was like the girl next door who, mm-hmm. you know, like, we're, like we, we, we had maybe our, we, 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 we'll always have that connection, you know? Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, there've been times in my life where baseball has been like very, baseball been very, very good to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, uh, but like, I think basketball, I've always loved basketball. Like basketball might be like, ah, basketball is the girl I met in college or grad school or whatever. Who's like, this is the woman I want to marry, you know? Yeah. 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 That kind yeah. of thing. Um, so yeah, that, if that answers your question. So, okay, um, got it. I guess the, I would, but I would pick the, if we're talking basketball, mm-hmm. I would pick the bucks winning a championship over the Badgers um, the Badgers did win a national championship in 1941, I believe. Okay. So, like so, so during the war, so we're still <laughs> going back to that. <laughs> that's, like the, that's like the Gophers, though. All all their football titles are like all either between the Great War and the World War II or during World War II. I'm like, eh, those don't really count. The inter, I mean, yeah, the interwar <laughs> period. But if it was 41... Like they probably won that well before the like the US didn't enter the war until December forty one. That's true. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, That's true. Um, but okay, not in the modern era. Yeah. Um I, I'm very I'm still bitter about what happened in twenty fifteen with uh, you know, like that that Duke team with like mm-hmm. Okafor and Tyus Jones. Um, because I I, I I worry that's like the closest the Badgers will ever be to a national championship in my lifetime. Um but the Bucks mean a little bit more to me, if only because the Badger basketball team, like when I was growing up, like became a real big deal. Like during the, like, okay, first there was the Dick Bennett uh, final four run. Um, that was a really big deal uh, around Madison. Uh, but then, you know, Bo Ryan came soon after that. And we had this period of very sus- sustained excellence, um, which I would say has, since he's left, since he left has been like, or since his recruits have maybe left too. Uh, it's just not, it's just not been the same, but mm-hmm. there mm-hmm. is still like a very loyal following to the Badger basketball team around the state. 
which I don't think is going anywhere. The Bucks don't really have that. They didn't really have that in Madison when I was a kid. They really only started having that outside of the Milwaukee area, or just maybe even Milwaukee. They really started having that in most in very recent years. And yeah. I would like them to be on at least the same level as like the Brewers. I mean, we're not going to take down the Packers, even though like, yeah. uh, but I mean, the Bucks are way more successful as a franchise than the Brewers. And the mm-hmm. Brewers did a great job in the 2000s of uh, re, uh, re-establishing themselves. Uh, and they, they've been a, a, like a, a very popular team since. The Bucks are only starting to do that right now. So that's why like, I think you know a, a championship would go a really long way with that. Yeah. So I'll take them over the Badgers. Uh, I might actually <laughs> even want the Badger football team to win the national championship over the basketball team. Uh, bottom of my list is definitely another Packers Super Bowl. They have done plenty for me in my life. They've got, mm-hmm. yeah. they got me a ring when I was a kid and a ring when I was in college. Like that's fine. <laughs> that's the thing. That's that's the one thing about Packers fans is like, oh, it's like you guys can't talk about suffering, man. I'm not. I don't. I was a Packers fan growing up. I really don't follow football anymore. But yeah, me the the constant woe is me. It's like, come on, man. There's like so many more less like more deserving teams in the state that you could definitely feel I, worse for. I can't stand it. It's like. You know what? Yeah, the pack. Okay, the Packers blew it in the NFC Championship again. Like, the Packers have had like some of the best quarterbacks of all time for mm-hmm. the last twenty-five years. Well, uh, yeah, twenty some twenty. Well, that's that's like thirty years almost. Yeah, thirty years at this point. Yeah. Um, like, do you have any idea? Like, like, do you have any idea how rare that is? Like, I know. I mean, who yeah, it that? sucks that you don't get as many Super Bowls, but to have that many years yeah, of like true. watchable, to have watchable sports, enjoyable sports for that many years is, uh, that's the one thing I can't really say. I'm like, I, if Giannis played his entire career with the Bucks, and if he only got one title out of that, I'd be like, that oh, was a wild success of a career. That's, wild that, success. It, it absolutely would be. And that would mean way, way, way more to me than like, anything that i think the packers could do <laughs> at this point uh, yeah at this point anyway <laughs> yeah well so then speaking about Giannis, this is going to be the part so i have an advantage over the listeners because i know a little bit a slight tiny bit about your backstory but speaking about Giannis, let's take us back to new york city the 1960s who would you say in the 1960s new york city salsa scene is most like Giannis Antetokounmpo. <laughs> that is, wow. If you've thought about this, I'm not sure if you've had this angle in particular, but if there if there was a name you could pluck out of a hat and say, this figure <laughs> reminds me of Giannis, who would it be? <laughs> and obviously I'm not going to have any sort of parameter against which to check your answer. So you're, you're the guide here, not me. <laughs> I was wondering where you're going with this for a second. I thought you were going to be like, are you, is he going to talk about the Knicks? Like, am I going to have to... Talk about like pull up some 1960 Knicks. So like I know you're big. We're gonna have to talk about Dave DeBusher, like <laughs> Clyde Frazier, Willis Reed. Um, I okay. It's a very fascinating question. Let's. I'm gonna talk it out. Giannis was as an immigrant. This is very relevant to to what was going on at that time. Um, from let's say okay, he's he was an immigrant from a place that is not renowned for basketball. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was an unknown, just total unknown quantity who developed into a star. Yeah. That's 
those are good ways to describe Giannis that I think are relevant to, to this question you've asked me. Yeah. <laughs> um, hmm. There's one particular guy, he's a trombone player named Jose Rodriguez. Okay. He was the first one who came to mind, but because he is, um, I think he was Dominican by ancestry, but he came to the U.S. from Brazil. And, you know, that's not like, I mean, it's it's Afro-Latin music, but it's, um, uh, they, they have totally different traditions in, in Brazil. And uh, he came into, you know, playing what became salsa in the, the 60s uh, and became one of the, the great, uh, the great trombone players for a number of years. But I don't think it's a perfect comparison because he was never like a star. Mm-hmm. He was a great sideman. He, you know, like if you compared his role in bands to like a current Buck player, I would say it's like, uh, you know, it'd be it'd be like uh, like Bryn Forbes or, or okay, <laughs> okay, a, an effective role player. Yeah. Um. So that's tough. Like someone who is a star who kind of came from an, I, I guess, you know what, I'll just, I'll go with the kind of easy answer for me. Someone who came from a background you would not associate with the field that they became excellent in and mm-hmm. became a star. Um, I want to say it's the easy answer for me is this trombone player named Barry Rogers, who I, I'm writing my dissertation on. Um, because he is an American, um, he, you know, no, he was, had no Latino background or anything, but he was also not like a leading man, but he was mm-hmm. a big deal to the scene and people in the scene knew who he was and really recognized how amazing he was. He's just not quite the same star that Giannis was. It's tough. It's tough. I, I, I don't think I have a great answer for it. That's all right. I'm gonna I think back. you gave me two names. That's more than I was expecting. So you did. I mean, I can give you lots of names. <laughs> I'm sure you could. Like, there's one guy I might say who's not part of the, the current, there is more part of the current scene who I might go with. Uh, just okay. not way back then. His name is Jimmy Bosch, also a trombone player, um, who did become kind of a star in his own right. Um, he has some Latino background, but. Uh, I think he's just from new jersey um but he became a band leader and like kind of a a lead figure uh in in salsa like more modern like since the 90s really so got it not the 60s but he maybe is a better analog to Giannis. okay <laughs> but I'll well, get and <laughs> and the and the astute listeners will have been able to tell that all three of the names you suggested were trombone players in particular so you you talked a little bit about you're working on a dissertation and it from what you, the details you gave me, it's about 1960 salsa in New York. What I'm curious about is why, so it should explain, you play the trombone. Uh, and so maybe you could give the listeners a little bit of a background of why the trombone and uh, the places and faces trombone has taken you to be able to see. Oh, uh, yeah, sure. Um, okay. I Trombone was just like kind of suggested to me, like given to me. I had always played, you know, like uh, I've got some, I, I had some musicians in my family, uh, one who's a professional who I really looked up to who got me started from a, a young age, but I never really had my, you know, I always knew I liked it, but I didn't consider it as being something I could do, uh, even though I really was interested about it until I started, until my, my band teacher back uh, in 
when I was a, a teenager, I guess, yeah, 20 some years ago now, I was just like, hey, you should play the trombone. Um, <laughs> and at the time I was just like, yeah, I would like to learn a new instrument. Funny story. I was actually thinking like, I was, I was thinking about like, oh, I'd like, it'd be fun to learn a new instrument. Like, you know, this is like 14 year old me or whatever. And mm-hmm. I was thinking, this is, I don't know if I've ever told another soul this, but now it's out there for the public. I now it's going to be multiple souls, many numbers of souls. I hope so. Um, yeah, I was actually thinking like, oh, it'd be cool to learn to play the bagpipes. <laughs> Can you believe that? <laughs> um, I'm so, it's so good that I didn't follow through with that. Um, that's a, that would be a unique field for sure. That's a hard, that's a hard uh, road to hoe for sure that you'd have to be carving out. At some point, like at that age, I I hadn't quite developed that. I guess that taste, like the those like those, uh, you know, the 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 auditory centers of my brain were not well developed enough to figure out how awful the bagpipes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no offense to any bagpipers listening, I'm just not a fan of your instrument. Yeah. Um. So the trombone was suggested to me, and I just took to it very naturally. Uh. So flash forward i you know i i i started i started college not studying music but then i decided you know it's like ah, i like this too much i've got to do this i wanted to become a band teacher and i realized like okay you know i like playing a lot but what i would really like to teach is the university level so um several years later you know i go back to school to get uh my my doctorate in it which i'm still working on the dissertation is about uh salsa music in the nascent stages of it in the 1960s specifically as it relates to the trombone because um when i was in undergrad and just a little after undergrad i just uh, like i i got asked to join some salsa groups and uh it just was like a natural fit um yeah i've played a lot of different styles of music like i mean in school like i've played in orchestras uh, i've played in like the jazz groups in school like because you mostly are doing that in music schools these days but yeah um done some of that on like as a professional too, but a lot of my professional experience, well, I've done a lot of it in Latin, uh, even more of it though, actually in, in blues and R and B, I was a member prior to the pandemic of a, of a, a band of some renown from Wisconsin, uh, which played about 150 shows a year. Um, primarily in the summer months, like we were in the upper Midwest and Wisconsin, um, Minnesota, Illinois, Michigan, um, And the other times of year, we would we would go further out. We would usually do you know like an East Coast thing, in the like you know November December somewhere in there. We would in the colder months like February we'd have a nice trip down to the Caribbean and Florida. Um, so I've been yeah I've I've traveled all over the country and world playing trombone uh, and yeah it's a. Uh, that's quite the path. That's quite the path to go from that, from your teacher suggesting it to you, to suddenly you're touring with it. That's 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 amazing. I think. I'll tell you what, the bagpipes never would have done this for me. <laughs> <laughs> you would have had to do it. It would have been a lot of Irish festivals, a lot of Irish fests around the world. I would have flamed out. I would have just like flamed out, and I would have just become like uh, a, an accountant or something. <laughs> Well, was was trombone the first instrument you had played, or did you play something no. else previously? I started out playing my first instrument I ever played, even before the piano, was an electric bass because my uncle oh. was a professional bass player. He played uh, with, you know, people from Milwaukee might be familiar with uh, a singer named Willie Porter, um, who is still around. Um, 
he was more popular in the 90s uh but my uncle was his bass player for about 20 some years um so yeah he was just like kind of the cool young uncle who i wanted to be like so i started playing the bass yeah i started that when in school that became you know i took some piano lessons too in school that became the cello and also the upright bass like the the, the big one um but that really served me well when the trombone was suggested to me because like it really those skills i had developed really translated well onto the trombone so yeah, yeah. and was did you have any like you know, you don't have to name any teachers, but did you have like good teachers along the way as well who pushed, like obviously the guy who suggested it to you to go for the trombone, that's, I'd give, give them a shout out, but. Sure. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, Mr. Ulrich, Paul Ulrich, uh, my band teacher in high school was the one that suggested. Uh, he just passed away, uh, let's see, it was like late 2019. So big shout out to Mr. U upstairs. Um after that, uh, I yeah, I had some great teachers. I did my master's out at USC in California, in Los Angeles, um, mm-hmm. with a very wonderful guy and a trombonist who is, boy, he's going to be celebrating his 80th birthday this year, Terry Cravens. He plays in the LA Opera. He's played in the studios in LA for decades and decades. Um, you've heard him on movies. You've heard him. He's one of the trombone players you've heard on movies. Um him and then also my my current uh, advisor uh, at, at the U of I, University of Illinois, is where I'm getting my my uh, my doctorate from, uh, Jim Pugh, uh, P-U-G-H. He is a really really amazing trombone player. Who his current thing? Well, not current because no one's doing anything right now. <laughs> this main, pre-pandemic, pre-pandemic thing. His main thing for the last twenty years has been being the trombone player in Steely Dan, um, oh. which is cool so like but he you know since like the 70s he was a new york guy he played with woody herman he got off the road with them and he was then like the top trombone player like jazz trombone player in new york so he's just this like total trombone uh rock star um that yeah. people uh people will know outside of you know my field too um just because he has so many uh you know so much uh so much uh so many credentials playing playing jazz and popular music, like you know, playing with like Michael Jackson and Chick Corea and Aretha yeah. Franklin and people like that. Um, but yeah, he's just a great guy too. Like he's he's a really nice dude. I'm glad to be working with him. So yeah, yeah, very cool. Then my 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 final music trombone related question. So I was in band in high school, yeah. and I I played the tuba and the phone or the uh, sousaphone in marching band. Oh, okay. Nice. What what what's the difference? Because I didn't do it in college. Uh-huh. As somebody who went on to study it and then went master's doctorate, what is like the difference? Does it just become a lot more intense about like learning? Obviously, like theory. Do you like learn composition? So when you yeah when you narrow down to a specific instrument, is it just like figuring out literally every trick and like the history and everything with that instrument? How different is that from like a high school band situation? That That is a lot what it comes down to. So when you get into like collegiate music study, you're taking lessons and um, you know, the, the, like, I guess I'm thinking about this from perspective as a teacher too, because, you know, I, as a, when I've gotten into grad school, I've started teaching like, uh, freshmen in college and stuff like that. Yeah, it you know you, it it becomes more and more demanding the further on you go as far as like how well you have to play your instrument and also like maybe if you're if you're if you're trying to become like a band teacher maybe it's not quite as uh, 
as intensive as if you're trying to become like a performer or something mm-hmm. bigger, then like you, it gets really focused. So lessons are a big part of that. You also, you know, you're, you're, you're playing in ensembles. Like, you know, I was at UW, I played in the wind ensemble there in the orchestra. Um, I played at, so you're, you're doing that kind of thing. You're playing maybe smaller, smaller group kind of stuff. You're playing with a brass quintet or, uh, if you're doing jazz, you're playing with a jazz combo, that kind of thing. Um, yeah. But yeah, then the academic work is, yeah, you take you take music theory just like everyone else does. Um, you have a couple years of that as a like a basis as part of your curriculum. You take some music history too. Um, so you're going back and learning. You, you take a survey class where you learn about like the stuff that's happening in the like in medieval years, you know, like Gregorian <laughs> chant and stuff like that. And that one year, they'll take you all the way up to like Philip Glass and stuff that's happening today. Um, yeah. So those are the those are the main academic parts of it that everyone has to do. And then if you're doing music education, you have to like you have to do a whole um, like you you get a teaching certification. You have to take all the curriculum instruction and educational psych classes that anyone who wants to be a teacher, like like a science teacher or a math teacher, they got to take that stuff too. Um, yeah. Yeah, when it's but if you're if you're just focused on your instrument, like which I became, especially for my master's, it's and, and my doctorate, it's just all about, yeah, becoming like a total like like master of your instrument, um, which yeah. I'm still working on. I'm always going to be working on, um, and also learning all the learning all the music written for it, um, the stuff that you know you you might play in an orchestra, the concertos and the solo pieces that are written for it. Um, you just like if you want to if you want to teach that stuff you got to kind of know that stuff you got to know it all yeah so that's uh yeah it's it's just like if you compare it to like your high school band like <laughs> like imagine if like you had hmm, hmm, imagine if your high school band if like you had that but then you had another class related to music too where you were just focused on your instrument like you that's closer to what you get like if, if you're, yeah, you're in band class for like, I don't know, 50 minutes or whatever, but then mm. like you had 50 minutes where you were also like taking a lesson, like you yeah. this and yeah. Or you had some time built in your schedule where it's like you go and practice and stuff like that. That's kind of like, those are the steps up from there. Um, Got it. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I think it, it I'm sure if that's, I think it's a really cool story. So uh, good on you. And it's, it's good. To, we've needed a trombone player on the staff for a long time. So I'm glad you came along when you did. I don't know why you man. There are just too many of us in this world. <laughs> I don't think it's, is there a specific term that trombone players, like, is there a, a grouping name that you guys like trombone heads or something? I don't know if there's any sort of nickname you guys have for yourselves. I mean, like everyone likes to call us tromboners. Uh, <laughs> yeah, of course. I've got, I've got to forget that. We don't call each other that like um we don't really i don't know like no we don't have this trombone player covers it all for the most part bone player we you know oh he's not a bone player oh yeah he's like no no it's not like we have some like secret language or something yeah yeah yeah. i mean maybe sort of we're talking about like stuff about slide positions or something but it's not like but otherwise it's not like we're like some skull and bones kind of Got it. Well, that's good to know. I don't need to worry about the trombone players taking over. So this is advertiser content brought to you by Frito-Lay. Hello, I'm Chip Murphy here to get you ready for the big tournament. Tonight, we'll break down 
We break down who will be cutting... CUT! What are you two doing? Sorry, Chip. Prez here got his feathers ruffled when I told him Ruffles has zero chance of winning the title. And I was letting Dip know that she is not taking into account Ruffles' iconic ridges. Guys, it's March. We have to start talking about the tournament. We are. It is the 2023 Frito-Lay Snack-It. We're talking about big-time matchups between Cheetos, Smart Food, Lay's, Sun Chips, and more. Just head to the Frito-Lay Snack Bracket and vote for your favorite chip, pretzel, or dip for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. This sounds great. Keep up the good work. Just go to frito No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void wherever hidden. Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. As we're winding down, I have a couple of quicker, these are just sort of like hypotheticals, again, get to know you questions. All right. Are you ready for them? I'll try not to be too long-winded. Go for it. All right. Here we go. What was your dream job growing up? Firefighter. Like we're talking okay. real young, like under- yeah, like when you were like six or seven or yeah. something like that. Firefighter yeah. for sure. Okay, <laughs> COVID is gone. You don't have to worry about anything like that. Where in the world would you want to live for one year and why? Hmm. You, I want. I would want to go somewhere that like I've been to. I don't want to just say like, oh, it'd be cool to go to Tahiti because I haven't been there. Um, places I've been. It's big deal for me to be somewhere with good climate all year long. Like I, I really don't like winter. I've spent a lot of time in Wisconsin. I really don't mm-hmm. like it. Uh, but one of the things I don't like most about winter is not I, well the snow. I hate the snow. The cold doesn't bother me, but um, the lack of sunlight really bothers me. So I'd want to be somewhere that has pretty constant sunlight, like predictable time all year. So you're going talking closer to the equator now. Um, so in that respect, I would probably go to a place I've been which is the northeast of Brazil, uh, Hesite. Okay. I've been there. It's in Pernambuco. It's uh, right very close to the equator. The weather's great all year round. Something like that. Okay. Yeah. Very good answer. I like that a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, what is the best pizza place in Madison? Ooh, boy. This is a, this is a money question for me. I've been <laughs> – I'm obsessed with pizza. I've been obsessed with it since I was a little kid. So – I cannot pick one. I have to give you three. I have to give you three. Okay. All right. All right. Um, hopefully there's some people who know about some of these places. Uh, one, Sal's Tomato Pies, which uh, is a more recent addition, maybe about 10 years ago. They have like the New Jersey style, they call them Tomato Pies Pizza. That's very good. Um, two, a classic of Madison that I don't think gets its due, but is also a place I've been going since I, you know, I was probably at like a, like a, a, the size of a of a beer can or whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm just looking around <laughs> at things on my desk. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Small thing. Um, is Pisons Pisons, uh, which is now um, very close to Monona Terrace. They have great pizza. Uh, and the last place, another place that I think just people who have been in Madison a while know because it's sort of like a, I don't want to say it's like a I don't want to say it's like a secret because people know about it, but maybe you just you don't know about it unless you have been Madison a bit or you're talking to someone who knows about it is Greenbush Bar, which is in the basement of the Italian Working Man's Club on Regent Street. Um, Greenbush neighborhood, which is now like basically just a college neighborhood, was a traditional Italian uh, blue collar neighborhood until probably about the 1960s. And that's like one of the last remnants of 
that neighborhood there and their pizza is outstanding so yeah i i have to go with those three okay <laughs> not pick one over the other that's all right i understand it's divided loyalties but divided love as well it's equal pizza love for is all very of them. important to me riley pizza is... <laughs> <laughs> i'm very serious it's, about it's life pizza. <laughs> yeah pizza is life ball is life pizza is life yeah all right one artist if you could choose any artist to go see in concert who would it be gosh um are we it's gonna, it was really hard for me to not pick like or come up with all like music related questions. Yeah, so I'm yeah. trying my hardest, but I have to get this one in. Sure. There. Um, my question to you is like, does it have to be someone who's alive? Can it be like all? No, it could be. It could be all time. Anybody. So I would really love to have been. This is. It's a specific concert. Like I'm, I'm focused on specific eras and specific concerts. Uh, for me, um. It's a it's it's a concert that has been recorded and I've seen many times, but I would like to have been there. Is uh, let's see, was it nineteen seventy six? The band at uh, at uh, the Cow Palace in San Francisco. Uh, that is well known to rock fans as the concert that was featured in the film The Last Waltz. Uh, I don't know if you've heard of that, but it was a great live concert. Uh, it was there. The band is a they were a backing group for all kinds of great, great artists in the 60s and 70s, like Bob Dylan, Neil Young, um, Van Morrison. Uh, there's so many. And they all came, they, they decided to break up. And all these people came in to play one last hurrah with them uh, on Thanksgiving in 1976, I think it was. And they made it into a movie that uh, Martin Scorsese directed and produced and just to be at that kind of like i would i would have to pick like specific concerts kind of like that like specific places not just people just like like because i could just say oh like pink floyd but it'd be like no i want to see pink floyd like at this time at this place at time this time yeah Yeah, like after this when they're playing this kind of music things like that yeah got it okay does anybody in your life know you're a basket blogger don't think or is so. this is this a no, secret no 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 there are no there are people who know yes there, there are there are people <laughs> okay people who i have a um a a closer relationship with um, yeah. like like a more romantic like, mitchell, like with like mitchell and adam yeah for example <laughs> and and how how do these people who are close to you who know your basketball feel about it do they think it's cool is it just like oh goes van with his basket blogging again i think it's pretty cool i mean i i I, the good thing is i can sort of paint it in like a a pretty legit way (laughs) yeah like okay so i'm i'm starting to do like later this week i'm gonna do like a a recap it'll be like the first recap i've done and i can just be like nope i have to be watching the bucks game yeah (laughs) like i'm working (laughs) we are we have to this is coverage that we have to do um yeah that's kind of how i put it uh it's like uh, and it sounds a little bit more legit and people are like oh that's kind of cool you do that as a hobby it's like yeah it's, so. yeah 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 the most legit is we we will have to when they allow everybody back in we will have to send you with gabe to one of the games to go cover it in person it's super sure. cool that's when it's that's the next level legit when you have the media pass you're like yeah i went to the arena i don't think it's a good idea though man like i was i was joking with mitchell it was just like i wanted to just ask like it was like the Nuggets game. And it's just like the only questions I'd be asking after this game is like, okay, your arena is now called Ball Arena. Uh, is it now Balls Arena because you're playing football <laughs> in there? Um, things like that. These are the hard hitting questions. That's all. I'm- that might be. 
That would be a quick way to get Brew Hoops credentials written. So maybe we maybe we won't send you. Actually, I'm telling you, you shouldn't do it. That can only. That's all I can. I may like. I may write decently, but I'm no like in person reporter. Yeah, it's still cool though, just to go have the experience. You'll, you might see like Jim Paschke walking around, which is cool. That's ah, uh, Jim Paschke. That's like a yeah. Uh, <laughs> Probably don't do that. You could do the John McLaughlin impression and oh, see if he engages. <laughs> I don't know. We just always made fun of. Paschke, uh, Paschke's voice when we were in college because he, hey, he's kind of talking like this. The box. I hope you don't listen to this, Jim. I, I love you. You're great. <laughs> he is a good guy. He's a good guy. I'm, and if he does, I'm sure he has. He has a good sense of humor about him. Okay. Yes. Final two. Final two questions. Mm-hmm. One uh, accomplishment you're most proud of in your life so far. I know that's a big question, but I've, everybody else has been asked it, so it's only fair that I hit you with it as well. Uh, joining Bruhoop, of course. Um, <laughs> well, besides the obvious one, please. Uh, probably um, hmm. just being able to have a career as a performing musician, which was uh, like, <laughs> again, like right now it's on, we'll say it's on a pause, uh, but like just being able to do that is not something a lot of people could do, like to be able to completely support themselves through playing music i wasn't even like doing it like i wasn't even like it wasn't even like i could have just supported myself just from the gigs alone like not teaching not doing anything else um yeah a lot of people i know who i went to school with like who were great 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 musicians who like are better than me like they haven't done that so i think i'm pretty fortunate to have gotten that far very cool i get back to it soon you know <laughs> fingers crossed so we'll keep rolling it out and hopefully by yeah. summer or fall maybe we'll start looking into something yeah, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. and then the final question this is the one everybody's been they've waited an hour and a half for this one this is the big one oh, why brad lowhouse why brad lowhouse <laughs> all right so brad lowhouse okay i remember i was saying earlier i was always sort of like the the kid who kind of just wanted to like, like I didn't want to be. Yeah, you wanted to zig where others zagged. Sure, let's say that. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, grew up near a a um, fried chicken place on the west side okay. of Boston, which had NBA Jam. Uh, in like it had like the crane machine. It had you know <laughs> machine, it had NBA Jam. Yeah. So uh, you know this is like mm, probably like I don't know. It had to have been like seven or eight years old. Um, they. Okay, so, yeah, we're talking, like, the mid to late 90s. They have, I think, the original, like, one of the first few NBA – they actually still – I've seen one of these. There's an arcade bar in Madison that has one of these. So, okay, everyone wants to be the Bulls. Everyone wants to have mm-hmm. – you know, NBA Jam, you, you're playing two-on-two. And you get Sky Pippen and – actually, in one of those games, I think it might have been, like, Horace Grant and Sky Pippen because it was, like, during the – it came out during, like, when Jordan was playing – The semi-retirement, playing yeah. Playing baseball. Um, yeah. So, but like people want to do that, or maybe people would pick like the Knicks or like uh, the 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 Rockets. Maybe like if you were if they were a little smarter, they'd take Hakeem. Mm-hmm. But me, like I was just like, well, I, I want to pick the Bucks, and the mm-hmm. Bucks had. I've seen articles on this online, like <laughs> of all the NBA Jam games, like bottom, absolute bottom. Number 30, all these lists. It's, uh, the Bucks with uh, Brad Lowhouse and Blue Edwards. Um, <laughs> so we're talking like 93, 94, kind of in that era. Um, I want to say, actually, like that may have been the second edition of it because I, I think I read somewhere that, like, I never played this, but there was also one with Brad Lowhouse 
and Eric Murdoch, or maybe it was Blue Edwards and Eric Murdoch. It's like just, you know, scrub players. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so <laughs> I was always playing with with Low House and, and, and Edwards, and I was getting mm-hmm. my ass kicked because I wasn't really good at video games. <laughs> and because I was playing with Brad Low House and Blue Edwards. Yeah. Years and years later, went to I was I was lucky to get I got a behind the scenes well a, a tour of Fiserv Forum before it opened to the public um, through a friend okay. who uh, his company like they were I, I think the Bucks were like trying to get them to get a suite there or something and he just hit me up one day I was uh, living down in Illinois at the time and he hit me up and another good friend of ours is like yo I like I I, I got this like this tour like do you guys want to go it's just like well. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, I do. Um, so yeah. I drove up for it. Um, and uh, he is, like, I was, uh, of these guys, I was, like, the biggest Bucks fan. It was really kind of embarrassing because I showed up on this tour, and I'm wearing, like, my old Raiders. Oh, don't tell me this. Come on. You showed up in the Bucks gear, too? Then? I'm wearing, like, my old Ray Allen jersey. Like, I'm wearing, like, <laughs> like the, the, the one that I had, like, that, you know, was large on me as an 11-year-old. <laughs> Uh-huh, yeah. I still have. I'm wearing that and it looks kind of dopey on me because it's like because <laughs> I'm, you know, like a foot and a half taller. But yeah. I have that on. And like I think like okay, my friend my my friends were like they they looked just kind of like normal. Like they Yeah. But we're with like we're on this tour with like like uh like they weren't wearing suits, but they were suits, you know. They were they were like uh-huh. these were people who were like, you know, this is they were wearing their you know, business attire. Um, So it was already a little embarrassing, but Mm -hmm. I was talking to one of the friends who's not as big of a Bucks fan. And he was just saying, man, I haven't been, one of them's like, I haven't like uh, until I had, like they had just been to, they had been to the Bradley center in like recent years prior to that. I think one of them was actually at the last game of the Bradley center. And he'd said the last time I'd been to the Bradley center before that Jack Sigma was playing for the Bucks. And the other guy said, yeah, well, the last time I was there, Brad Lowhouse was playing for the Bucks, And I was just like, mm. Lowhouse, you know who Brad uh-huh. Lowhouse is. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it was just so happy. So I, I was so happy about it. So when I, when I got on the group, like I did, I made a new account after years of like, like I hadn't commented or anything in like five years. So I made a new account. Mm-hmm. So I was like, ah, oh, let's make a Lowhouse fan, you know, it'll just be kind of a funny little Easter egg for the, for the, the, for the, the true the Bucks fans. The diehard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to say like I never, I never. He was Brad Lowhouse was gone, like he left the Bucks. I think I was probably like five or six years old. I never saw mm-hmm. the dude play for the Bucks, but <laughs> I certainly, certainly played as him uh, in in NBA Jam in like yeah. the late mid to late nineties. So that's the connection to Brad Lowhouse. Good. Okay. That's a good story. I like that story. It, that's that's like second only to finding out that you're like directly blood related to Brad Lowhouse or something like that. So besides that connection, this is a good second it's, second it, option. Like, it's just kind of a tongue in cheek thing with a joke, but like you know, with with some friends. But you know, like it's I, I, when I went back and like I totally forgot about this guy, right? And when we were talking about him, I went back and looked at his numbers. I was like, you know, Brad Brad Lowhouse could like, wasn't bad. Wasn't bad. He had a little bit of a range on him a little he bit. Hang in the NBA. I mean, he'd be a good stretch four. He'd be a good. Yes, he would. Four. So like a nice, nice, uh, nice, uh, yeah. Stretch four off your bench. Like he'd be, you know, earth sign without the charges maybe, or something like that. So, yeah. yeah. 
Brad, Brad, if you're listening, I know you are. We love you, man. Brad, get oh, call call into the podcast, please. Yeah, he's he's like in Iowa somewhere. He's in Iowa. I think he is. Yeah, he's. Yeah. I think he actually works for the Spurs. If I was reading correctly, he's like a regional scout for the Spurs. Oh, is that right? I thought. Oh, wow, no kidding. I you're more up on Brad than I. I was just looking at his Wikipedia today. That's why I'm not, I'm not a diehard Brad Lowhouse fan. That's why I changed my name. I'm not Lowhouse fan anymore. I went by. <laughs> You broke with them. That's what happened. You broke. I just can't, you know, I can't be like writing under. What, what, Lowhouse what, fan. what should I have done? Should I name myself? I'm Brad Lowhouse. It's covered <laughs> after the team after 20 years, 30 years. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Yeah. So Brad Lowhouse. Yeah, man. Like I, <laughs> an underrated and underappreciated buck. Not gonna he, was, he was the perfect distillation of the team. Underrated and underappreciated. Oh, yeah. Ooh, yeah. Him, like, Frank Brickowski, you know, those guys. Mm-hmm. Like, these are brick. <laughs> I, I, I wish, like, I don't know if anyone was calling them this. I don't know if they were, like, I mean, they're both big men, but when they were in the game together, were people calling it Brickhouse? Like, <laughs> mm, was, was, maybe. Was, ask Jim Paschke. Next time you see, when you see Jim at the game, I, ask him. That's what I got to ask him. Like, did the did they come over the, the PA, like, when they both checked in, did they come over? He's a brick. like that that just seems like a golden opportunity that was missed if it didn't it might have been and it was the buck so it probably was missed (laughs) but i think that's a good point or a good uh point for us to stop over uh van it was excellent to get to talk to you really appreciate it why don't you tell the people i know you said you're twitter phobic but where can people find you if you want to be found slash do you have anything that you're working on right now that people should look out for? Uh, I mean, yes, my, my Twitter handle, which this Twitter is not, I have not, I don't tweet from it. Like I only use Twitter to keep in touch with y'all from crew hoop. Mm-hmm. That's how you yep. do things. And that's fine. But I don't tweet. I don't read anything. I'm yes. I'm a Twitter. I'm a Twitter. Uh, yeah. A Twitter abstinence. We'll call it. Um, okay. So yes. At low house fan, of course. Maybe who knows? Maybe one day I'll get sucked into it. I'm trying to trying to resist. Um, it's for the best for you to avoid it. Trust I me. So I think so. I, I've got enough. I've got enough like <laughs> to worry about anyway. Um, mm-hmm. But I am working on a yeah. I'm working on a working on a trade deadline piece. It's already kind of long. I'm gonna maybe get back into that tonight. Just kind of in the candidate identification stage. And uh, yeah, that'll be coming out soon. Um, that's the main piece I'm working on right now, hopefully sometime this week. Uh, and then I'll start doing some game coverage soon too. Yeah. So. Very cool. Yeah, man. Well, first time on the podcast, hopefully not the last, I can't imagine it is look out for all his work, podcasts, articles, wherever, obviously uh, you got my Monday morning media roundup. Yeah. You got Adams. What is, is it? The Wednesday oh, weekly. Yeah. I, f- I forgot my new weekly. Yeah. Yes. You have your Friday series as well. Oh, yeah, I have my Friday series, which, Oh, if anyone out there has a good name for it, because I was like, oh, because Riley's got this Monday morning media melee <laughs> and, and Adam's got this like Wednesday weekly wrap or something like that. So I was yep. like, all right, yep. yeah, with some F's for Friday. And I just called it the progress report. <laughs> so I do that. I won't be doing that this week because there were no games. But yeah, I just, you know, like I like to, you know, I, I, I hand out letter grades at the end of every week. Mm-hmm. That no one cares about, but I always thought that was a cool thing they did over at Basketball uh, R.I.P. Agreed. Yeah, I really loved that. I loved those articles. I'd be like, yeah, Johnny O'Brien did deserve an F plus yeah. for this game for sure. I, my favorite was when like they beat the Warriors that twenty four and one game. Like everyone got names. Mm-hmm. Like that was funny. Um, but yeah, it, it was kind of always satisfying to see. Yeah, it's like ah, uh, Damian Inglis F. <laughs> <laughs> 
Although he never played, so he probably wouldn't even be down with that. No. Well, we'll look out for that. Look out for all the other stuff at Brew Hoop. Stay tuned, obviously, to the podcast. We'll be posting this on an article tomorrow. Um, and uh, I guess we'll catch you guys probably back on a regular ske- schedule next week. Thanks for listening. See you later.